Coming up on today's show, a whole lot to get through with the announcement yesterday and how it's reverberating across the country. We'll walk through just what the province announced and the changes, what they might mean to you, how it will affect you at school. What does it mean for business? Well, it means a lot. We'll chat with the president and CEO of the Alberta Chamber of Commerce. How we doing out there? Confused? Agitated? Angst-ridden? I'm sure all of the above apply for a lot of people. We had a bomb dropped on us yesterday, and we're still trying to sort through it. And I think it's going to take a couple of days in a lot of different areas. Businesses, trying to figure out what it means to them. Everybody is. Exactly how does this work? How is it? There's a lot of questions. We're going to try and answer as many of those questions today as we possibly can. And we will fail. I don't think we'll answer all of them, but we're going to try our hardest. I can promise you that. We're going to talk to people involved with amateur sport. We're going to talk to people involved in education. We're going to talk to people at fitness centers. We're going to talk to people um, from chambers of commerce dealing with businesses and what this means to them. Um, But already the ramifications are being felt. Post-secondary education in Alberta basically paused today. Um, most campuses have moved everything online. Some have completely cancelled classes for the rest of this week as they try and sort out what this means and how things are going to look going forward when the mandates come in on Monday. So, a ton to get through here. First things first, let's deal with what happened last night. Um, Jason Kenney um, stepped up and did the thing that, to be honest, um, I didn't think he would do unless we were in a situation where he had absolutely no other choice, which tells me the situation that we're facing in Alberta is dire. We need to accept that. For Jason Kenney to go back and say, I blew it, to go back and say, you know those vaccine passports I would told you would never come to Alberta, they're coming to Alberta. You know those restrictions I said would never happen again in Alberta? They're happening in Alberta. For him to walk back those three things that he stood up and proudly proclaimed back in early July means to me that he had no other choice. Absolutely no other choice. It was probably one of the toughest things he's ever had to do in his political career because it's a complete reversal of where he was. So let's go through what he had to say last night. Um, He apologized for the position that Alberta is in right now. I know that we had all hoped this summer that uh, we could put COVID behind us once and for all. Uh, That was certainly my hope, and I said so very clearly. Based on our analysis of other jurisdictions around the world with similar rates of vaccination, we believed that we could prudently move away from, from addressing COVID as a pandemic and towards an endemic. It is now clear that we were wrong, and for that, I apologize. So there's the apology. Now, yes, he sort of walked back the apology. He was pressed by uh, Rick Bell of uh, Sun Media in the question and answer period and said, how much of this disaster is a reflection of your leadership? And he said, well, I don't think it's about me. I think it's about, the, you know, okay. So he sort of walked it back a bit, but he came out, he started with the apology. So a lot of people were looking for that. Did he walk it back? Whatever. That's not the important point anyway, right? That's the political side of it. We can talk about that later. What does it mean to us though? Exactly what? is the situation. First things first, we are now back under a state of emergency in the province of Alberta. That is why today the government has declared a state of public health emergency. Two weeks ago, we presented modeling on the direction of this wave. The high-end scenario of that model projected over 300 intensive care admissions by the end of this month. But recent trends show that we are exceeding that high-end projection and that we may run out of staffed intensive care beds within the next 10 days. 
So there's your explanation on why we're doing what we're doing. We have to, okay? We're in a situation where our healthcare system, we always talk about we don't want our healthcare system to collapse. It's collapsing, folks. That's where we are. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So what do we need to do? How bad this situation becomes and how long it lasts is now up to each and every one of us. To prevent an ongoing crisis, we must do three things urgently. First, we must maximize our healthcare capacity. Secondly, reduce transmission of the virus by reducing interaction with other people. And thirdly, we have to get as many people as possible vaccinated. Okay, we have to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And once again, when talking about why we're in the position we're in, Jason Kenney made it very clear. He believes it's because we have the lowest rate of vaccination in the country. Uh, But we all need to understand that the decision not to get vaccinated is not just a personal choice. It has real consequences for our whole society and for the ability of our hospitals to cope. COVID is hitting Alberta harder than anywhere in Canada because we have the lowest rate of vaccination in Canada. Fair enough. It's true. It's hard to deny those. Now, he he overlooked the fact that we also lifted our restrictions earlier than anybody else. The only other jurisdiction that was close to us in lifting all restrictions was Saskatchewan. And if you've looked at their numbers, they're pretty bad, too. Their population is so much smaller than Alberta that their numbers don't rise to the level of panic that we see when we're hitting, you know, 15, 1800 a day. They're bouncing around five, 600, but they're a quarter of our population. So they're in a tough spot in Saskatchewan too. So Jason Kenney did what he said he would never do. Kinda. Vaccine passports. It doesn't call them that. They're restriction exemption programs, but whatever you want to call them, they're here. The government has uh, reluctantly decided to adopt the restriction exemption program, a proof of vaccination program for participation in certain discretionary activities that have a higher risk of viral transmission. No one will be compelled to get vaccinated against their wishes. And a negative test option will be offered as an alternative. But with unvaccinated patients overwhelming our hospitals, this is now the only responsible choice that we have. I had earlier committed not to introduce proof of vaccination because of concerns I had around privacy rights. But the government's first obligation must be to avoid large numbers of preventable deaths. We must deal with the reality that we are facing. We cannot wish it away. Okay, so there we are. That's what was announced yesterday. Now we'll try and sort through all the different rules, how it'll be enforced, not a lot of clarity around that, what it means for different kinds of businesses. There are so many threads to pull out of this ball of yarn, and we'll do that this morning. When we come back from a short break, though, um, why did it take this long? Lots of people speculating as to why it took so long. We saw the trends weeks ago and waited. Um, And a lot of people say, well, it's because we're in the middle of a federal election campaign and there was pressure on Jason Kenney not to delay whatever he had to do till after the election campaign. That didn't happen. How's it playing out on the federal election campaign? As you would expect. What does it mean for your kid going to school? There are changes to kids going to school in this province. So what does it mean? What can you expect? Uh, Let's get some details on how far down that road they've gone with Trisha Esterbrooks, who is the chair of the Edmonton Public School Board. Uh, Trisha, thank you for your time this morning. I imagine you are extremely busy today. (laughs) Yeah, it is a busy morning again, Shay. And I just, it's such a good idea, your show this morning. Honestly, like... 
the role in which shows like yours can play in helping provide clarity to what we heard last night, I know is appreciated. So good job. Well, we're trying. We're trying. And, you know, I'm going to put it on you uh, to try and answer some of the questions. (laughs) Fully understanding that I know you're probably working your way through this, too. Um, The announcement that came down last night, what can parents expect when they're sending their kids to school? What has changed in Alberta? Well, for Edmonton Public, you know, I am the chair for Edmonton Public, so I can only speak about um, last night's announcement and how it relates to our school division. And pretty simply, actually, Shay, not much changes for Edmonton Public parents in that a lot of the measures announced last night in terms of uh, mandatory masking, cohorts for elementary students, we already had that in place. In fact, we had that in place you know, back in August. That was a, you know, you would have remembered the news yep. back then that, that, you know, the autonomy was given to school boards. You decide what, what works best. We got a fair amount of gratitude for the decisions that we made, some pushback, but here we are. And guess what? All school divisions across this province need to have masks in place. And, you know, the key thing, I think, for Edmonton families to remember, um, Edmonton public families, is that the masking mandate is for, for all grades and all staff within our, within our schools. So, That's with EPSB. Yeah. Exactly. And so not a lot of changes. I mean, it's in rural Alberta that they'll feel that the change of all this. Um, and so in some ways, it's good to have a consistent approach. Um, you know, I was pleased, and I know thousands of Albertans watched that last night. There were some things missing in that announcement for schools, though, in my humble opinion. What were you looking for? Well, the big thing that's missing in the minds of the Board of Trustees and our administration at Edmonton Public is there was no mention at all of reinstating contact tracing for school or requiring close contacts of positive cases. So a kid tests positive for COVID and they're in a class with 30 other kids, sometimes more. And uh, we have no authority to quarantine those kids um, or the staff members. So really different you know we're not um we're being made aware of cases self-reporting cases when parents call us and say yeah my kid tested positive but ahs is not sharing um and i don't know how strongly i can say how much of a problem this is because ahs is not sharing positive case counts in our schools with us and so it's as if it's as if, Shay, we're looking at a map and we're only seeing half of it. And we have no accurate picture of where COVID is in our schools. And so you can imagine the uncertainty and, quite mm-hmm. frankly, the chaos that that's creating. So that's what was missing from last night's announcement, quite frankly. Yeah. And we really hope the government takes a second look at this because, you know, parents need to know when there's COVID in their kids' classes. And relying on parents to self-report is great. But it's not an accurate picture of what's actually happening in our schools. Yeah, and Trisha, I just got a text from a listener saying, I got an email from my son's school saying there was a positive case in one of his classes. That sounds like contact tracing. We need to be clear here. If that happened, it's because the parent called you and said, hey, exactly. my clit is a case. And so then you can go ahead and do your own contact tracing, but you're not getting it for, through the official channels, right? No, exactly. And gotcha. so, you know, that parent would get, if, if there was a case in that, in your child's class, you'll get a letter. Gotcha. If there's a case in your child's school, you will also be notified. So, like, we're doing the work of contact tracers, 
but not in the full sense that we should be doing it, quite frankly. Like, contact tracers, what they did last year is they notified and they called families to say, heads up, your kid was a close contact. None of that is happening this year. And in my mind, here we are in a raging fourth wave. Uh, Quite frankly, I think it's irresponsible that we don't have the supports in schools right now to make this happen. Yeah, and I know a lot of uh, parents uh, are right there with you on that one. I've seen it uh, personally. Um, Mm -hmm. when When we talk about some of the things that came in yesterday that you're already doing. Explain to me what cohorting means in kids uh, under 12, elementary school kids. Cohorting means they go in their class, they stay in their class, they don't mingle, right? Yeah, essentially, it mean, and it's pretty easy to do in elementary. You know, like you'll remember sure, when yeah, you were an elementary yeah. kid, like you're with your little group of kids, and that's the group of kids that you learn with all day. So, you know, that's already in place in elementary schools. The thing is, you're right, like at recess or lunch, that little group of kids stays together, right? Gotcha. So that there isn't that sort of uh, potential exposure to other cohorts. And, you know, cohorts are great, especially when you do contact tracing. So it's like we have one half of the contact tracing equation without the really important part. Yeah, exactly. Cohorting works really well because then you know exactly where kids were if there was a positive case. So, yeah, cohorting in elementary, it it already kind of happens, but it totally makes sense. And I'm really glad, quite frankly, that that's been put in place across the province. And also really glad that the province woke up and put back in place mandatory masking in our schools. Like, you know, when the announcement came out, when was it, a couple weeks ago, that there would be masking in all indoor public places? I couldn't believe that schools weren't included were in that. Yeah. Of course our schools are indoors. Anyway, it's, it, you know, I think there's a lot of relief across this. At least I hope there's relief across the province I think in some is. ways. I think from for a that. lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Uh, I do too. Uh, what about uh, the other area that they touch on is the indoor sports, fitness, recreation, and performances and things like that. How does that change things? Because, I mean... You're limited in capacity in terms of spectators. There's physical distancing, all that stuff. Are kids going to see some of their programs go by the wayside here? I don't think so. Again, just for Edmonton Public, like much of what was announced yesterday, we already had in place. Um, So, you know, not big changes in terms of what we're seeing in terms of athletics for kids. You know, I was just on a call with the minister here this morning with board chairs across this province. No questions were allowed to be asked of the minister, I'll tell you that. But she did, um, yeah, that's right. Uh, She did reaffirm that... um, and I agree with her. You know, athletics and extracurricular, those those are super important for sure. kids, especially right now. So, yeah, if you hear the frustration in my voice there, Shay, about uh, not being able to ask questions, yeah, there was some frustration, I have to say. What? I mean, we're, we're getting off on a tangent here, but I, I, I'm gobsmacked. Why? I mean, the whole reason, I would think, for the call is for you people who are in charge with administrating our schools to ask the questions and seek clarity from the minister who made this decision. Why on earth were there no questions allowed? That's a, that's a, that's a question best posed to the minister, quite frankly. Now, we that being said, there is opportunity for follow-up with uh, education, like ministry officials and whatnot, you know, administration with the various divisions across school divisions will get a chance to ask some questions to ministry officials. But, you know, when it's elected school board trustee to elected education minister, you know, it's, um, I'm hopeful that we'll have an opportunity to ask those questions because much in the same way that your show here this morning is seeking answers to questions that so many of us have, 
I just continue to think that information is power. It's of so course. important that we're clear. Like, this government wants us to follow the rules. Well, then make the rules clear. Yeah. Like, clearly come out and explain what is expected of us. And you know what? Most of us will comply. But we need to know what we're dealing with sure. here. So, And that's the same thing, I think, with parents. Like, give parents all the information we have, which is why we're being really transparent. When we know of a case in our schools, we're sharing that information with parents. Because that's what we want. We want information. We want our school divisions, our government to be transparent with us. I think that helps ease anxiety, quite frankly, when we know what we're dealing with. And I hate to hammer this point again, Shay, but like, we don't know what we're dealing with at our schools. AHS is not sharing information with us. So there's a, there's a level of frustration that's building and we're not even what, what's the date? We're like, what, two weeks, eight days into the school year. (laughs) And I can tell you already, we have 201 cases and that's, uh, that's from Tuesday afternoon. We have 201 confirmed cases of COVID in our schools, but I'm not saying that's the accurate picture. Because you <laughs> don't know. Those are self-reported cases. So take that 201 with a grain of salt, because <laughs> those are the self-reported cases. So Okay. Thank you, Trish. I appreciate your time. Yes. Have we'll a do great this show. again Thanks, as we Jay. get more info. Thank you. That's Trisha Esterbrooks, who is chair of the Edmonton Public School Board. And, and she's right. You know, if the government's going to ask people to follow the rules, well, what are they? Let's be crystal clear on this. And you're not going to ask people to be patient and work with you on this? Okay, we will. How? <laughs> That's all we're looking for here. So now let's try and sort our way through the announcements yesterday. And so many of you asking me, can you go through these restrictions? I don't have a clue what's going on. We will. We will. Okay. We'll go through them today. Uh, We'll try and sort them out as best we can. Basically, bottom line is we have a vaccine passport, but we're calling it a restriction exemption plan or program. What it means is, essentially, if you own a business in the province of Alberta that's non-essential, you know, like if you run a grocery store or something, the rules don't apply. But if you're in what they're calling a discretionary business... If you want to run your business with the luxury of customers, you need to have a vaccine, proof of vaccination or negative test to have customers come in. Like if you don't want to bring in this plan and you're a restaurant, you can still operate, but you can't have indoor dining. People have to sit outside in maximum groups of six. If you go with the plan, business is normal. Way you go. So it's, it's the vaccine passport system the other provinces have brought in with one big difference. The province isn't bringing it in here and saying, if you run a business, this is the plan. They're saying to businesses, it's on you. You decide what you want to do. We're not forcing anybody to do anything. This is a business making a choice. So now businesses are left trying to sort out, okay, what do I have to do? How do I have to do it? To get some clarity on that, we're going to chat with Ken Cobley, who is president and CEO of the Alberta Chamber of Commerce, I imagine. Uh, He's trying to figure it all out too. Ken, thanks so much for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Shay. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really confusing time, and I'm sure you don't have all the answers. But first of all, your reaction to the news. I know a lot of businesses in our province were uh, really calling for some sort of a vaccine certification program. You know, it's, it's uh, again, I think this is going to be somewhat of a divisive issue because um, there will be, obviously, people who will show up at the doorstep and uh, be belligerent and say, well, I'm not going to show you my vaccine uh, certificate. Uh, so uh, one of our concerns uh, that has been you know, expressed over a number of weeks is businesses' um, ability and wish to enforce, uh, the, you know, the vaccine proof of vaccination, uh, and the outfall of that. Uh, what happens when you do get, 
you know, a, a customer who gets belligerent with you or are verbally or physically abusive. Um, so the concern is, uh, is it going to be left up to the owner? Is there going to be any support? Um, I mean, police forces around Alberta have already said they're not going to respond to, you know, question or um, issues unless they uh, unless they go sideways and escalate, which is a big concern. Yeah. Um, your your um, uh, listeners' comments about uh, being confused about the announcement yesterday. Um, yes, um, I was confused too. There is a document online that I do, did go and read. Uh, businesses and it's available on Alberta.ca. Uh, just with the information for all Albertans uh, section, and it's headed up um, restriction exemption program. But you have to read it very carefully um, because it's um, it, it says uh, these are the these are the restrictions in place. But just above it, it says if businesses implement the restriction yes. exemption program, they don't have to follow those particular restrictions. In a nutshell, I think you summed it up quite um, quite clearly about uh, what you could and could not do. Uh, again. If restaurant owners choose to check vaccination passports or vaccination records, um, then they can operate as usual. Uh, the one thing that I did note in there is that, in my interpretation, and people should go in and confirm that, is that bars, if they choose to um, check vaccination records, can now serve alcohol after 10 p.m. Um, the, I, I guess the other issue that, that uh, we're concerned about is, as we've seen in the past with previous restrictions there have always been businesses that have not fit nice and neatly into one category mm-hmm. maybe they're operating three different businesses out of the same uh out of the same roof um so i mean we've been calling for months and months and months to actually have a streamlined um approach for businesses to uh, that don't qualify to apply for exceptions and you know something that will give them a rapid assessment and a rapid response and that's critical um, because if you find that you're, you know, in one of those in-between positions, um, you need to have somebody take a look at your business, understand your business, and say, "Yeah, you're good to go," or um, or there is a restriction. Uh, we did see some confusion between the, you know the legislation and previous regulations we had and the actual enforcement by Alberta Health. Um, because the wording need- from the province is discretionary events and businesses uh, without yeah. a definition definition as to what that might be yeah that's uh, i mean there it's the the in, the information like i say on the website is pretty detailed and it does go into you know the different types of businesses it talks about um, you know business requirements it does talk about you know uh, for those n- not places of businesses social gatherings places of worship weddings and funerals yep. it gets into the uh, sport fitness recreation restaurants cafes and bars so that information is there on their website. Um, but again, the issue that's going to happen is, is those that don't fall into one of those nice, neat categories. Um, the other issue that I think we're going to see is um, the ability, and this is not new, but the ability for employers to require vaccinations in order to work in those facilities versus the employee's right to choose not to get a vaccine. Uh, there could be situations where you know they are checking um vaccine records for for patrons um but they're in a position that they can't uh require the employees who are serving to to be vaccinated so i think that will probably be an issue that will come to the fore in the next little while as well yeah and in terms of how to prove the vaccination do you have any clarity i mean this starts monday so do you know exactly what people need to do to prove that they're have a negative test or they're vaccinated i mean has that been clarified 
Sure. Um, the proof of vaccination is, I guess, uh, similar to what you'd currently use at any border at this point. In okay. Time. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, a, a printout from your local pharmacy that says you're double vaxxed. It's something that comes off Alberta Dig- my Alberta Health uh, records. Um, or, uh, um, and you're right, you could, and there is an other option for folks who don't want to get vaccinated if they, if they want to, you know, go to uh, a restaurant or a bar, uh, that they would take a rapid test that they could, uh, you know, uh, acquire at uh, a local pharmacy. Yeah. A lot of people saying that's a loophole, so you don't really have to be vaccinated, but there's a cost that comes with those tests. You bet it is. Um, I'm not sure I haven't had, I haven't had the, the need to go and get one, but I think, they're about sixteen or seventeen dollars, uh, at least. I've heard some places as much as forty. Yeah, I've heard that too, um, and that's most unfortunate uh, because um, the, the the price of them seemed to escalate in the last month and a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did start out at fifteen, sixteen dollars, and again, I'm not sure that I I haven't physically gone in and checked, but I have heard reports of some pharmacies charging upwards of forty dollars for for a uh, rapid wow. test. Yeah, and they won't get cheaper. We know now that they'll be in demand. Yeah. Um, Ken, do you have any idea, some people asking, and it's a, it's a good question, and I, I haven't got clarity around this. If you implement the restriction exemption program in your restaurant, say just for an example, does that mean your staff also has to be vaccinated or are they somehow exempted? Do you know? Well, that's a requirement. Or, uh, that That is the requirement that I just mentioned is that you, uh, an employer cannot require an employee currently to get vaccinated. So there could be a situation where an employee simply refuses to get vaccinated. Uh, we need to get clarity from the government as to whether, in a situation like that, whether um, the employer can, in fact, uh, uh, um, not uh, put them on shift uh, to work, or whether it is a goal for them to uh, serve uh, serve their patrons. So, a lot of questions, and I'm sure a lot of businesses have a lot of questions. What kind of work's being done? To I mean, are there meetings set up with government officials to try and get some of those questions that we're asking answered? I mean, or you guys just uh, go to the website and figure it out? You know, um, well, what we did is is I was invited to a roundtable last evening from eight uh, thirty till nine thirty with the uh, Minister of Ec- uh, J- uh, Jobs, Employment, and, and uh, uh, Innovation, and uh, there were those questions asked. Uh, we'll continue to seek clarity from them. Um, you know, there is, uh, again, the website is probably your best bet for okay. for looking for clarity. But uh, in with businesses, in a lot of cases, I mean, the short story is if you're implementing the um, if you're implementing the uh, restrictions exemption program, you can operate as normal uh, serving patrons who are vaccinated. Exactly. I think that's the bottom line. I mean, I think that's sort of the message that the Premier was trying to get out without actually saying it. Um, but that's where we're at. Ken, I appreciate your time this morning. Anytime, Jay. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is Ken Colby, the President and CEO of the Alberta Chamber of Commerce. So um, he, he he corrected me on the liquor exemption thing. And I think he's right, but I, this is the thing. If, if you're running a business, the restrictions that are in place apply to you if you don't go with the restriction exemption program i.e. demand that your customers be vaccinated or provide proof of a negative test within 72 hours. So I would assume the thinking is that that 10 o'clock last call um, would be considered a restriction. And if you are doing the proof of vaccination or a negative test, that restriction would not apply to your business. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.